0: An e-consult, in telemedicine terminology, is an asynchronous provider-to-provider consult. So this is where a primary care physician would refer a consult request to a specialist, and that specialist would complete the consult by reviewing the patient's medical record and reviewing diagnostic exams and then providing a recommendations and plan of care back to the primary care physician without ever actually seeing the patient themselves.
1: Welcome to This is Rural Health, a podcast from the California State Rural Health Association. The CSRHA is focused on ensuring that the needs and voices of rural Californians are expressed and heard and is continually working toward improving the quality and length of life of rural Californians. This podcast, like the CSRHA, brings together leaders in rural healthcare with policy advisors, community leaders, and other forward thinkers to gain a better understanding of what is happening across today's rural health ecosystem. You'll hear the unique perspectives of industry and community leaders and how they're finding innovative solutions to the challenges of a rapidly changing and increasingly complex healthcare industry.
2: Hello there, and welcome to This is Rural Health, the official podcast of CSRHA, the California State Rural Health Association. My name is Jeff Dunbar, this year's treasurer of the association, and I run a telemedicine company that provides physician services remotely to hospitals that don't have access to or can't afford critical care physicians locally. Today, our guest is my friend and colleague in various capacities over the last several years, Mr. Jason Close director of the Dignity Health Telemedicine Network, now part of Common Spirit Health. Jason oversees a program that provides upwards of 65,000 patient encounters a year, and the Greater Common Spirit Program that reaches beyond the West has seen an explosion of 1.5 million virtual visits since the start of COVID. In this episode, Jason and I discuss the challenges and successes of serving rural patients in rural communities with telemedicine. So sit back and enjoy this episode of This is Rural Health. So again, Jason, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. For our listeners, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, about the Dignity Health Telemedicine Network that you direct under Common Spirit and what that looks like, if you would.
0: Yeah, thank you, Jeff. It's my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me to be here. So the Dignity Health Telemedicine Network is at its core an operating division within Dignity Health and within Common Spirit Health, which is charged with the mission to meet the needs of our hospitals and our post-acute and ambulatory facilities and help them provide timely access to quality care that otherwise would not be available in their communities and for their patients. We've been around since 2008, originally founded from a grant uh, that was awarded to Dignity Health from the Elliott Holmes Foundation with the charge to improve the stroke care in the Folsom, California area. And in Folsom at the time, there was a small community hospital with uh, no on-site neurology support. So the vision was to use that grant funding to create a telestroke program, and that was really the genesis of the Dignity Health Telemedicine Network, which then expanded those services out to other facilities and expanded the service offerings through other specialties and other types of services across the Care Continuum.
2: Cool. So that was the genesis, huh? And we'll get into you know how big the program actually is today. Very impressive. One thing I wanted to ask you about, I don't know if you saw this, in Fierce Healthcare, there was an article by Dave Murio, I think it's pronounced, and he commented on a study that was done that showed the shift to virtual care during COVID-19 saved 1.7 million gallons of fuel and 15 metric tons of CO2 by common spirit alone. Were you guys made aware of that or did you see that article? Personally, no, I did not see that article, but I'm not
0: surprised because while we haven't directly tried to estimate the gallons of fuel saved and the miles driven saved for our patients in the past prior to the pandemic, there are other telemedicine service providers out there that have estimated that on an ongoing basis, and it's pretty impressive to see that there is not just a clinical and a healthcare related impact to telemedicine or virtual care services, but there is an environmental impact as well that can be obtained.
2: Yeah, not only the driving for the patients, but you know, for providers to get out to those far-reaching clinics, right? Absolutely. And then
0: add on to that everyone's most valuable resource, which is time. And, you know, saving that windshield time, as we call it, is always something we try to help our providers and our patients do.
2: So as the title um, suggests, our podcast is focused on rural health. And I wanted to ask you about the use of telemedicine within Common Spirit and how you're addressing the concerns of rural patients in California. And if you could expand on how many programs, what specialties, hospital, home, clinic, et cetera, and what the program looks like out in those hard to reach areas.
0: Yeah. So in the last year has been a pretty amazing year for the world and has affected telemedicine, virtual care services to a great degree. We've seen a huge increase in the use of virtual care in our homes and allowing patients to connect with their health care providers and medical providers directly from their couch or from their home office. Let's not even fail to mention, do it from your car on the side of the road. I've done that. And being able to normalize that care delivery model over the last year has been, I think, one of the positive side effects of this pandemic that we've been undergoing. And think back, you know, a year and a half, two years ago, where services offered in the home where they were fee for service, you couldn't necessarily see your primary care physician or your referred specialist from the home on a wide array. And that wasn't really the norm. It was just something that was done a little bit here and there. And so seeing that normalized over the last year is pretty exciting and made a huge difference. So we've seen that across our California markets and really across all of our markets where Common Spirit Health has a presence. We've seen a huge increase in the percentage of patients being visited in their home with their healthcare providers. And the Dignity Health Telemedicine Network really plays a role in that, but also we are a network that's designed to serve our facilities and get care to our facilities, uh, especially specialty care. And so we offer behavioral health, neurology, critical care support services, and a variety of other specialty medical and ancillary health care provider services to our rural communities, hospitals, and clinics across the California markets.
2: And is Common Spirit also delivering those home visits as well? Absolutely.
0: In every market, providers, both primary care specialty providers, converted as much of their patient care load to virtual visits as possible to help reduce the incidence of patients needing to come into a physical location for an evaluation or for a visit. And then when it was clinically not appropriate to do those visits via virtual or via telemedicine, then you had sort of a a reserved opportunity for those patients to come in in a safe way to visit with their provider in person.
2: So what particular challenges do rural communities pose for delivering telemedicine in those, you know, versus the urban settings that you're serving now? Sure. So the first thing
0: that comes to mind is the availability of resources such as diagnostic testing or evaluation tools that may or may not be available in certain rural communities, the availability of necessary procedures for patients in their home communities, which sometimes are not available. So that comes to mind, I think the other thing, of course, when you talk about care in the home environment, we really don't have equity across our rural markets in terms of home network availability. And so we have patients who really cannot take advantage of virtual care services from their home and don't have that uh, same opportunity that others who have strong network connection may have. So there's
2: a limiting factor there. But what I do know about your network, I believe there's clinics where people can go and not have to travel to the big city to be seen by a specialist. Is that true?
0: Well, I think that's one of the opportunities. I think there's two things where The patient going to a physical clinic location or other physical location in their community makes a lot of sense. One is when you need a specialty service or you need a physical examination that's going to require a set of hands, a surrogate examiner at the patient's bedside. So I think that's a scenario that makes a lot of sense. The provider can still be remote and might be in an urban community or might be out of state or even out of the country. However, they may need a second pair of hands at the bedside. And then the other is, of course, when you have those lack of network availability in the home environment, we are experimenting with setting up sort of almost like a kiosk or designated rooms within our clinics where patients can come and do their virtual visit from the clinic with their provider or with a provider who may not be in the community. So
2: just taking advantage of the Wi-Fi that's Enabled at the clinic.
0: Basically, and it's, hey, it's a little more private than Starbucks.
2: <laughs> yeah, for sure. You don't want to be doing the home visits as a provider from Starbucks and probably as a patient, you don't want to be talking to your <laughs> physician there. As they say, the genie's out of the bottle. What do you think it looks like in the next you know, five to 10 years for telemedicine? and maybe particularly for rural?
0: Well, first of all, the real thing that allowed the ability for virtual visits to take off in the last year was the ability for providers to be compensated for those visits. That's not something we've really had to a large degree prior to the pandemic. And then with the fears of rolling back on those waivers moving forward, we could see a decrease in the incidence of virtual visits in the future. So I think first and foremost, over the next five to 10 years, is working on reimbursement models that help sustain these programs. And this does not just apply to patients in the home and in the virtual visits in the home, but imagine rural health clinics who are trying to take advantage of remote specialists and would like to bill for those professional services to recoup cost, whether that billing's done on the provider's end or on the clinic's end. And we really don't have true parity today that allows or that supports these types of programs. So as an example, if you're a psychiatrist and you're providing services to a rural health clinic in California, you cannot bill at the encounter rate, which means your reimbursement for those services will be quite a bit less than they would be if you were in person at that same clinic. And that does not help support. The long term maintenance of these services in these rural communities.
2: Yeah, as someone who runs a physician services organization, you don't have to tell me that the reimbursement isn't always equitable for tele versus in person. That's for sure. So hopefully, some of the waivers that are in place will remain in place following the pandemic and that things will get on parity with in person.
0: Yeah. And the other thing that I think is important to remember that the true hero in healthcare in our rural markets are the primary care providers. And when you really think about it, these are the individuals that need to be empowered to care for their patients at a higher level. And so I think the advent of e-consult services is an important element in virtual care simply because there's a mentoring component that comes with that. So it's really an opportunity for specialist providers to provide feedback to primary care providers on how to better care for their patients and instead of just referring the patients to a specialist and then the specialist taking over that care.
2: Right. Maybe for the listeners, explain
0: what an e-consult is. An e-consult in telemedicine terminology is an asynchronous provider to provider consult. So this is where a primary care physician would refer a consult request to a specialist and that specialist would complete the consult by reviewing the patient's medical record and reviewing diagnostic exams and then providing a recommendations and plan of care back to the primary care physician without ever actually seeing the patient themselves. So this does not include a live physical examination or discussion with the patient. And it's estimated, the research is showing that anywhere from 40 to 60 percent of specialist referrals can be managed asynchronously in this manner. And these are billable consults. And so there is a little bit of reimbursement attached to it and we we're experimenting today within some of our dignity health medical groups with using econsult as a referral screening tool to help reduce wait times for specialist physicians by ensuring that appointments with specialists are really scheduled with patients who truly need to be seen in person by those specialists and um, referring maybe the less complex cases back to the primary care physician with recommendations on how to
2: support that patient. So that's a real win-win-win. So the patient not only doesn't have to drive somewhere else to see the specialist, but I imagine those consults turn around much quicker than getting an in-person specialty visit that's often the case when you get that referral from your primary care doc.
0: Yeah. So you can talk to different service organizations who do e-consults about turnaround time, but we believe somewhere in the 24 to 48 hour period is an appropriate turnaround time for an e-consult. And there might even be opportunity for sort of like an on-demand e-consult type service in the future where we're experimenting with trying to design a staffing model and a workflow
2: around that. Hmm. So it's like uh, going next door, the physician, the primary care doc going into the next office and asking for a recommendation from his colleague. Well, that's a good point, Jeff. And now think about it this way. If you're a physician or a
0: other clinical provider who works in a hospital or in a clinic in person, think about just your day and how you spend your day. You might spend half your day just seeing patients, but you might spend quite a bit of time communicating with other members of the healthcare team. Don't forget about that water cooler talk. You might grab a sandwich and go to the break room and sit down with a colleague and have a discussion over a patient or whatever. And so building those connections, building those relationships can sometimes be missed out in a virtual care model. So when you bring providers into a clinic virtually, it's important to help these providers make connections with the local colleagues. They're now, in essence, a member of that medical staff at that clinic or that hospital, and it's important that they act like a member of that medical staff, that they recognize the opportunity for connection, for communication, for relationship building, and try to mimic in-person care as much as possible. Really becoming part of the team. Absolutely.
2: So as we wind up here, Jason, what do you see is the next big innovation in rural healthcare, telemedicine?
0: Well, that's a good question. And I think whether it's rural or not, we need to look at healthcare availability and equity, regardless of where you as a patient walk into. And finding models to help better manage chronic conditions. And all of that probably is going to take us away from our traditional medical models. And we're going to have to start breaking down the sides of the box and get outside the box on a lot of these things. Now, what those are, you know, only the future will tell. But I think there's a lot of opportunity to further normalize virtual care over the next couple of years, And if you think about how streaming media online has become really kind of like a new normal, I think we're going to see new normals in healthcare start to come to light or continue to come to light as we move forward now that some of the barriers to care have been removed. And as we remove more and more barriers, that ability to change and care for our patients differently is going to continue to evolve.
2: Fantastic. Well, thank you for joining us today, Jason. It's my pleasure. It's great to talk to you, Jeff, and
0: wish
1: the best to you and all your listeners. Thanks so much. This is Rural Health is the official podcast of the California State Rural Health Association and is made possible by the generosity of our members. Our producer is Noelia Sanchez at Noteworthy Lab. To learn more about the CSRHA or to become a member, visit us at csrha.org. If you have a suggestion for a future guest or topic for the show, email us at podcast at CSRHA.org. To make sure you don't miss any future episodes, please be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast and to follow us on Twitter at CSRHA podcast. Thank you so much for your continued support of the California State Rural Health Association. This is Rural Health. It's copyright 2021 by the California State Rural Health Association. To find out more about the CSRHA, visit us at csrha.org.